This is Pakinggan Pilipinas. I'm Elise Ponsalan, your fiction DJ. Wait, hold on. Stop the music. Can we can we have something else? Thanks, that's better. Almost a year ago, Metro Manila was submerged in floodwaters. From what we were told, it only took six hours to dump one month's worth of rain into the city. Many people lost their homes and their way of living. Many others lost their loved ones or their own lives. How can anybody forget TV images of that family? Men, women, small children on top of a makeshift raft on a raging river, bracing for a collision with a bridge, then disappearing seconds later. It was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. This month's story is taken from the charity anthology Ruin and Resolve, put together by Paolo Chiquiamco. Proceeds from that ebook will go to the Philippine National Red Cross, so do support it. If you're interested in helping out those who've been affected still by Ondoy and Pepeng, I've pasted links on the notes for this episode. Now, let's get on with this month's story. The Sparrows of Climaco Avenue by Kenneth Yu Late in the afternoon, as the steel-framed derricks on the skyscraper summits hoisted their cargoes of cement and iron on cables as thick as a man's leg, the sound of a large gong echoed over all, resounding from the farthest horizon where the sun-washed sky met water. Pre-programmed, the cranes continued to lift their consignments up, story after story, grinding and squeaking against their cogs and pulleys. But the builders and every other person in the city stopped. All eyes turned to the empty ocean. The gong sounded for a second time, then for a third, each time louder, and on the last brought palms to ears and teeth to grit. Above the water and against the distant clouds, a speck appeared, approached, grew. When near enough to manifest as a large, fast-moving black mass, everyone stared up with wide, unbelieving eyes. More than a mile long and a mile wide, a cloud of sparrows flew into the city. The loud fluttering disturbed all hearts that heard it. For centuries, there had been no verified sightings of birds of any kind, and many did not know what to make of these creatures. None of the people knew what to call them. Neither the crones nor the wizened were old enough to recall that time when prophets walked the earth and warned of this moment, before disappearing in despair. In the centuries it had taken for this day to arrive, all belief had been whittled bit by bit to forgetfulness. The flock circled the city, and where its shadow fell, people cringed and hid. Parents brought their children indoors, to the dismay of these young ones, who alone pointed at the sky with smiles and laughter on their lips. Television and newspaper reporters came out in droves, 
photographers aimed their cameras upward and took thousands of pictures. The police and the army brandished their weapons, waiting for orders, ready to fire. Scientists cupped their chins in their hands and pondered the meaning of the sparrow's flight and appearance. As did sociologists, historians, writers, poets, artists, musicians, and false soothsayers. The preachers and clerics were taken by surprise with a sudden upsurge of devotees that entered their holy places, pleased for the sermons and homilies that suddenly needed to be heard. They researched dusty ancient books for words of prophecy, explanation, punishment, or hope, long unsaid and unread, each to their own creed's interpretation, none of which was the same. The sparrows flew for half an hour before settling on Klimako Avenue, the city's highest point, where the buildings were tallest, hundreds upon hundreds of stories high, and still rising, and where the most prominent of the city's citizens lived. The sparrows landed, roosting on ledges and windows, and on the many cables and phone lines that hovered over the streets like an intricate spider's web. They blanketed everything in a square mile, and the people in that place immediately evacuated. The builders were instructed by the authorities to remain where they were and to continue their work, but none followed, and they fled to the ground. The mayor was not pleased. He had been forced to leave luxurious city hall on Klimako, and was incensed that his orders for all construction to continue could not be carried out. In the sudden, unimaginable absence of noise, he realized how much pleasure he took from the clanging of hammers and the drill of the pneumatics that had constantly drifted down from above. Stalemate, he thought, but not for long. He told his nephew, an army lieutenant, that he planned to retake his office with a younger man's help. By force, sir, the young lieutenant said, his voice quivering. He and the other soldiers had been taught to use their arms only against other men. As a younger military student, he faintly remembered reading about the never-ending war in a land over and beyond the horizon, from where the creatures had flown. He tried his best not to show it, but to the lieutenant, they were terrifying and unnatural. Nothing should be able to soar through the air as they did. The mayor felt the same misgivings, but jaded with age, he ignored them. We'll use force if need be, the mayor said, his jaw set. What weapons would be most effective? Perhaps the flamethrower, sir? The lieutenant answered. But we might burn something we shouldn't. Bah, we can rebuild. The mayor puffed his chest outward. Then, as an afterthought, concluded. We'll issue a warning, of course. But his bravado failed when, for the fourth time, just as the sun started to set, the gong echoed once more from across the sea. All the sparrows raised their wings in time to the sound,
but did not take flight. Beneath the streets and the buildings, the ground groaned and shuddered, then inexplicably began to sink. As the waters flowed over the land, overwhelming the docks and quays, dousing all the street and lower-level lights, the people screamed and ran into the buildings, ascending in an attempt to escape the inrush. A few thought themselves wiser and made for the ships along the shoreline. But the earth beneath their feet sank far too quickly. The water engulfed them before they could approach any vessel. The funneling waves pushed the boats inward, inland, to dash and sink them all against the buildings by the waterfront. Those by the sea were the first to die. Trying to ignore, though still fearing, the sparrows, people poured into the buildings that lined Climaco, filling them to overflowing. Every available space inside every structure on Climaco was crammed body to body. From there, the survivors watched the waters flood the city's lower levels. The mayor took refuge at the top of the tallest building, almost 300 stories up. The building still had power, but this did not last. As the city sank, the sea retook the lower lands and eventually reached Klibako. When the building's basements, which housed the generators, became inundated, the light sputtered and went out. The building sank, a slowly diminishing skyline. Even from far below, the mayor could hear the screams of the drowning. The people in the lower floors fought and clawed for the pinnacles against those above, forcibly removing the smaller, the weaker, either trampling them down or hurling them out the windows and into the sea. The sparrows took flight each time the waters roached to reach them, settling on every available ledge and still, always staying just above the waters. When at last the city was engulfed, and all were either dead or dying, the sparrows took flight again. They circled the space where the city used to stand until their strength waned and gave out. As one, the birds fell, to drown as the people before them had. Many bodies sank, but many too stayed afloat. Among them, the mayors and the young lieutenants. When the sun rose the next day to light that piece of the world, corpses bobbed for miles around. It took days for the current to disperse them all outward and away, and longer for marine predators to consume them all. When the last body sank, every trace of man, bird, and city was erased. You've just listened to The Sparrows of Klimako Avenue by Kenneth Yu. The story was first published in the online anthology Ruin and Resolved by Rocket Capre in 2009, then reprinted in Philippine Speculative Fiction 5, edited by Nikki Alfar and Vin Simbulan. The story was narrated by Fides Bernardo. Fides is a professional voice talent, and she graciously lent her voice for this project. 
It was a real pleasure working with her on this story. All right, some trivia on sparrows. This story, although it was sort of timely when it was first published, was written years before Ondoy and Pepin came. The author was actually inspired by a friend's trip to Zamboanga, right where he saw thousands of birds perched on electric wires along Klimako Avenue, which is a real place and not a figment of Kenneth's imagination. By the way, if you've been reading Philippine genre stories, then you're probably familiar with Kenneth as he is editor and publisher of the PGS magazine. He tells us that the long-awaited crime issue of PGS will be released by end of 2010. If I were you, I'd get a copy of that as soon as it's out because starting next year, PGS will be in easy form. And other things, Pakinggan Pilipinas will be taking story requests. Yep, you heard me. All you have to do is email me through pakingganpilipinas at gmail.com. Send me the title and author of the story you'd like to hear. If it's published online, send me the link. If it's only available on paper, let me know which book you got it from. Hopefully, I have a copy of it. If not, I'll just call up some friends. Just some conditions. One, the work has to be published already. So if it's unpublished, I'm sorry. Two, it has to be written by an author of Filipino descent. And three, it has to be a short story with about 1,500 to somewhere along 4,000 words. Send me by November 1st. 2010. That's this year, huh? And we'll get the story produced by first quarter next year, 2011. Thanks for listening and supporting Pakinggan Pilipinas. To hear our other podcasts, go to pakingganpilipinas.blogspot.com. This is Elise Ponsalain. See you again next month. Ating kwento, Pakinggan Mo.